0: From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry.
1: I just thought physics classes in general were fun, and I thought they were easy, and. Uh... I thought it was kind of cool that most people hated it, and I thought it was easy. So, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's, that's I used to sleep in class and wake up and answer
0: questions and then make everybody else mad. That's John Middendorf. John is a highly regarded in the additive manufacturing industry with expertise in development of AM machines and unique capabilities such as multi-material laser powder bed fusion, hybrid additive subtractive laser powder bed fusion, and advanced in-situ sensing. He most recently served as director of Open Additive, a leader in advanced metal lvpf am systems and is now the director of the ohio state university cdme before we get started head over to www.3degreescompany.com and subscribe to the podcast remember if you listen to the show anywhere you download your podcast including spotify apple amazon or stitcher also if you or your company are looking for materials qualifications certification or general manufacturing support reach out to the team through our website or via email at info at Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for joining the show today. Excited for the conversation. Um, I like to start all these episodes, at least the last 40 or so, um, really at the start. Uh, So where were you born? Um, What were some of those early days like that got you on the path of where you are today? Oh, man. So
1: I was born in Medway, Ohio, which is Dayton area. And it's uh like for people that enter in Ohio, it's for 675 and 70 cross basically. Um, uh, just you know, pretty standard uh, upbringing in most ways. Uh, small town life. Went to the local high school. Um, my dad was uh computer engineer, right? He got into it in the 70s, so so very early days. So he worked at Right Pat, so. Uh, you know, the, the really start was interest in STEM and interest in STEM mostly came from being around right. Patterson air force space all the time. So like when I was eight, I remember playing pong with, you know, just, a uh, you know, headset on basically, and you make the paddle go up. If you increase your brain activity and go down, if you decreased it, so, <laughs> so you have to like sit there and like, figure out how to train your brains and move the paddle up and down. Uh, you know, so as an eight year old, that stuff's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, you know, based on that, based on enjoying physics class uh, in high school, uh, decided to go into uh, physics. Uh, that you know ultimately led led to uh,
0: several other things into where I am now. Awesome. Was there um, a particular class or anything that really kind of shook your interest in? in kind of physics was there like some sort of like that was it pong that was that magical moment was it well, something else and kind of struck your curiosity
1: i don't I don't know i mean the the pong thing was just a fun thing i sticks out that i remember but i just thought physics classes in general were fun and i thought they were easy and uh i thought it was kind of cool that most people hated it and i thought it was easy so <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> i mean i don't know that's that's i used to sleep in class and wake up and answer questions and then make everybody else mad uh and I'm sure, like, if you're listening to this podcast, there's probably a lot of people like that, and us, you know, listening to this podcast. But, um, so that, that's role, really, yeah. And then, you know, the rest of my family, we all all went to computer science because my dad. So I was like the the black sheep. That, that is something different, but still not that different. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. This high school physics class was like, okay, I like this. I'm going to go to school for this. And then, uh, you know, that's that's what I did.
0: And what was the, was there any, um, given yeah, proximity to the, the Air Force base, knowing kind of people that were in and around there was aerospace, a particular industry interest area for you, or were you kind of on the more pure sciences kind of physics side?
1: I, I was an idiot. So I, I had no, 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 like thoughts about anything remotely like that. I just was like, I was, I was, I cared more about playing soccer honestly. So like I played college soccer uh, until I stopped doing that, that was my life. And I, anything else was like a distant, like I was not a very mature college student uh, and a lot of things reflected that. Uh, so like I had to turn my life around at some point, there's never really bad, just, just was a bad student. And uh, um, so, yeah, honestly, I, I just, I just kind of worked hard and uh, at some, you know, eventually and what uh, the rest took care of itself and uh, just had faith it would work out basically. And, and eventually that's what happened. So, <laughs> so really like not the uh, like prototype, like good student, like I'm going to go do X, Y, Z with my life. It was, it was very much like work hard.
0: Good things will happen.
1: That, I think.
0: Awesome. And so what, um, cause you're in college, you are playing college sports. Um, mm-hmm. what were, um, you said you didn't really have a plan, but once you were finished, kind of what were some of those first steps after, after school?
1: Well, there was uh, I stopped playing uh, when I was still in school. So uh, like my senior year, I didn't play. Uh, and I kind of like had a moment to realize, like, if I don't get an internship and my grades are terrible, uh, I'm not going to be to find a job. So I'm going to be like, working at BW3s or something. And uh Yes. <laughs> so so i went on a pretty aggressive uh, hunt to find an internship in a field related to what i was doing you know I, I think unlike most people in additive these days i was more uh more of an electrical engineer uh physicist you know so lasers and, and uh, electronics and that uh so i ended up getting an internship doing uh infrared uh target detection at right pat uh i think mostly because like they needed an American citizen, and I was one. And no one else applied for the job. <laughs> uh, but like that opportunity required me to get into grad school, and it required me to. It was it was the first opportunity I really had ever since I started trying to turn things around. Right, so there was a, a real sense of I have to make this work, I have to be successful here, or I'm really, in a bad position. Uh, you know, I, I, I put myself in that position but like there was, I finally got an opportunity and I had to take it. So, um, I don't remember what the question was anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, what
0: was the, those first, so it sounds uh, like you went to grad school and I did go to grad school. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so my, my GPA wasn't actually high enough to get in, um, when I kind of had this moment. <laughs> and so there's no way I would have gotten into another college. So I didn't in grad school, in the same place I did my undergraduate, uh, but I did I did the math and I would have had I could actually do math uh I had to get like a 3.85 or something for the last year uh really five quarters to get my GPA high enough to get into grad school uh so I went and I did that right so I went from like terrible terrible grades all the time so then you're in your senior year your physics classes which are the, the hardest ones and got 4.0 uh so like the the study habits and the work ethic uh, that, that established is what led to, to, you know, me having a successful career so
0: far. And within grad school, was that, were you, was this just a master's or were you planning to do kind of like full on PhD at that time or kind of still up in the air?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was up in the air. Goal, goal number one was, was take advantage of the opportunity that I had, uh, And then, so I I wasn't a master's program, but I was doing so well that after about a year, my advisor came to me and asked me to just switch to the PhD program. So I did not get a master's. I just went, I did go straight to PhD, but it wasn't necessarily planned. It was uh, a result of, of how things were going.
0: And what was your like core focus area, core topic that you're researching? Uh,
1: ultra fast photoconductive devices and, uh, systems. So terahertz is the common, uh, Common name. It's it's full on like applied physics uh or electrical engineering has utterly nothing to do with additive manufacturing. Um <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's semiconductor physics, it's some material science. It uh not metallography though, but you know, by any means. Um it's it's uh, RF communication, it's uh it's it's a neat interdisciplinary field where optical science and RF science, material science, all combined uh, into one place. Uh, so that's that was what my PhD is in. Uh, had a really, really, just awesome experience. I had, you know, a, a PhD advisor who was an excellent writer, very, very well respected, top considered top ten in the field in the world. Uh, so uh, it just it was a really great opportunity and, and a great uh,
0: position to be in at that time. When was the first time that you saw or heard of additive manufacturing? (laughs) That's a good question, right? So
1: um, it it was 2014 when I was looking for jobs after I was done. So I actually graduated with a PhD uh, not knowing what a 3D printer was. (laughs) So uh, definitely quite a a career shift. Um, I was touring a company called Mound Laser Photonic Center, where I eventually ended up going to do uh, sensor development research for added manufacturing on, on a NASA grant. Um, uh, that was the first time I saw it. So my first experience in three printing is actually doing laser powder fusion, not FDM polymers, you know, stuff that all came later,
0: but, uh, yeah. So we're probably a little different than most. And was there like, was it interesting to you at the time or was it the kind of a means to an end? Like you're kind of like, you're starting out your career where you're like super like, Hey, like. This is something I want to do, kind of, for long term, or was it just like still too early? It's like, hey, I like this soon sounds like a good opportunity. Yeah, like I want to kind of take
1: advantage of it. Oh, you're, you're cutting out. I can't hear you at all. Can you hear me now? Can't hear you still.
0: Anything? Hello.
1: No, I can see you. I huh. so I don't think it's the bandwidth. Is it me? Uh,
0: test, test. I guess. hello. You... Oh, hello? Nothing yet. Yeah. Oh. Weird. Uh, I don't think it's me, but yeah, I can hear you. Let's see. Mm-hmm. how about that any better um i still got nothing
1: do you want me to try rejoining sure yeah okay Uh Test. Okay.
0: All right. How's that? That works. Yep. All right. Weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Cool. I'll
0: just start that question over again. Um. Then I can easily cut it. Um. Your video is not back on. Uh Oh, I'll turn on here cool um yeah so kind of first time you see additive um you're kind of working in this facility right after school like what what were your thoughts on the technology did you see kind of the the implications Uh, this is kind of 2014 you said so kind of right at the start of some of that hype cycle what what was your what were your impressions of the technology i i thought it was interesting
1: Uh, it's Additive has always been still interesting. And one of the reasons is why, why is because it's, um, I think, conceptually very simple, right? It's all the little details that get you, uh, which there's obviously a lot of. Uh, So I thought it was interesting. uh, And, you know, I I thought the job I was offered was a good opportunity. Uh, So there was a a confluence of reasons I decided to go do it. Uh, The company I went to was owned by somebody I knew uh and really trusted and really liked, which is a big reason I took it. Uh but I had almost like a had, you know a couple of weeks where I was like, is this is this the right thing to do? Because, you know, when you when you get a PhD, uh, you know, a good PhD, you should be like the world's expert in the thing you did. Um so I felt like I I actually achieved that. And like the one thing I was doing I was I was pretty much the world's expert in. Uh but added was so different that I was saying, am I, am I ready to like throw all that away? Not what I mean. There's a lot of valuable lessons in it, but am I you know, ready to basically start over? Cause it's going to take another three, three and a half years uh, to get back to where it was in this other field, basically. Uh, so I had a moment where I had to convince myself yes or no, like do this or don't. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I thought technology was interesting enough that I, I decided to, to go ahead and do it.
0: And what was like day-to-day, um, like a, a typical schedule when you first started? What were you doing? Were you doing a lot of machine work? Was it theoretical? Was it modeling?
1: That's, man, I, I was so fortunate. I think I had experiences that, like there's no way anybody else has these days because it was the Wild West. We we were a group at a place called Ways and Photonics Center that we knew, we knew nothing. Uh, about at it If we we knew lasers, like we came at it from very much the nerdy laser side, whereas I think most people come at it from like the mechanical engineering side. We knew nothing about that. We knew uh, <laughs> nothing about the metallography. um, And we we were doing uh, sensor research. So our first project that well, that wasn't the only thing we were doing. Our first project was not that. Our first project was building an open source powder bed machine laser powder machine to validate the model for Brent Stucker when he was a professor at university of Louisville still. So, that, you know, back in 2014, I mean, during the course of the project, he left and, and went and started 3d SIM or maybe he, I don't i don't know that something's probably wrong in there, but it was something like that. And, um, then our next project was doing sensor development. That's the one they hired me for. So the, the Brent Stucker project was actually led by Adam Hicks. Uh, so he's my coworker back then. Um, if you guys, you know, if you know Adam. Uh, so, but yeah, so we were building our own open source at the time they were actually open source uh, laser powder fusion machines to do this research. And so we did everything, we, you know, built the machine mechanically, designed it in CAD, found, found and or wrote software to run it, did the electronics for it, installed the laser, did all the laser calibration ourselves. I mean, literally every single thing you could possibly do. Uh, and we did all of it wrong. At least once. <laughs> and we did, you know, eventually all of it right as well. Um, so day-to-day was very much just for everything from building the machine to writing proposals, to writing reports, to running the machine, to developing technology to go on the machine. It was just absolutely everything. And that's why I, I, I say it's a really great experience because I don't – like. How could you possibly have a better way to learn how the technology actually works than to have to build all of it? It's time-consuming and sometimes difficult, um, but I actually feel very fortunate to have, have come into that you know position.
0: And so, the idea of kind of an open platform system was first to kind of validate. It sounds like validate some of the research that Brent was doing, um, but what, what more broadly, like, was were there specific targets in mind? Like, were you looking at? Hey, commercially, like this printer can't do mm-hmm. this, or this pr- printer is. I mean, other than it's closed and you can't do anything with it. <laughs> what, <laughs> what What were some of the advantages that you were looking at beyond kind of the uh, the obvious ones of of just more flexibility? There, there's the company. The company we worked for
1: was a medical device company, by and large. Like that was almost entirely it. So, um, a couple things happened. One is is Morris Technologies got bought by GE. Right, and that's in the same general area. They did I think, a lot of government contracting that they were no longer going to do. So the owners of the company felt like it opened up space for someone else to start grading SPRs and and do that kind of research in the additive area. Um, so we were able to leverage some of the of the contracting mechanisms that that we felt like had been opened up by by you know some key players getting bought or you know leaving the field. Uh, with but the the end goal was to build up our capability so they could use it for medical device manufacturing. Um, that never happened because they got acquired too. <laughs> but that was the that was the end goal at first.
0: And how long, what was your kind of tenure at that facility? Like what, maybe kind of talk us through like your oh, man. progression of what you were doing and kind of how the company kind of changed over that time. Yeah, so
1: this is really the history of open additive, like the OEM. Right. So I as recently as three weeks ago, four weeks ago was the director there uh, and it spun out of, of this start. Right. So those early open open uh, source machines that that like, sometimes worked were probably always a fire hazard. Like the company eventually grew out of that. Right. And, and built real stuff. Um, so so that building that we were in was a 20 by 20 foot room that was the lab. And you know, in the early days, we were building little four-inch machines that fit on a desk. So that was that was enough room for that. We had two of them in there. We built two of them in there. Um, and Bound got bought in 2015 in October, or at least that's when we found out. Uh, and it transitioned to to a company called Resonetics in, on January one of 2016. I was a Resonetics employee for two months while they figured out how to switch us over to a different business that would take us because Resonex did not want to do additive. They were like subtractive laser micro-machining, medical device manufacturing, you know, little stents and catheters and implants and stuff uh, on the, on the micro scale. Uh, and that's all they wanted to do, which is perfectly reasonable. But then we, so, so they rolled us in our contracts you know, and our projects over to another company called AdverTech that our previous owner owned. So he had multiple companies. Uh, that also had nothing to do with additive. So I was like the black sheep. There's me and my program manager moved over uh, and he just helped me with budgets and, and stuff. So I wrote, like I was the the single sole employee of what is now open additive then for uh, eight months or six months, you know, six months Then I hired two interns because uh, I want some contracts and got some money. <laughs> and when we were that company, we stayed in that 20 by 20 foot room and leased the space. Uh, and then in October 2016, we got bought by a defense contractor called uh, Universal Technology Corporation. Uh, and they kept us in there for about another year. So we we're, were actually in that 20 by 20 foot room for four different companies uh, until like October 2017. And then UTC, uh, I actually won some phase three contracts to to sell uh, our sensors and the open uh, would become open architecture because we the software was no longer open source, uh open architecture machines to some people. Uh and so UTC saw that and they got dollar signs in their eyes and like decided to get us a facility. And so they finally moved us into our own facility where we could try to become a, a real OEM. Uh awesome.
0: and open additive is still in that office park. Okay. And so all of that kind of led to open additive essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Got it. Yep. And so what was it like um, at the time kind of com- com- competing or kind of building a system where you have, I mean, there's no shortage of metal systems in yeah. the market. There's the, yeah. I mean, the names we all know, EOS, Ranisha, SLM. Um, yeah. So what what was that, that journey like? Well, ignorance is bliss to some degree. I think it's one part of the answer.
1: Because like, if we knew how far behind we were at the time, we might not have tried, but we, we did eventually catch up. Um, but I really was, was interested in solving customer problems. Uh, and the customers in this case were all NASA or DoD. And so they would come complain about the problems they're having, right? Whether it's an OEM being too closed or like, even if their sensor is useful, we don't know what it tells us, or like, we can't build this part or we need this other material. So it was, it was really just trying to develop advanced technologies that the market didn't currently have uh so in a sense we weren't directly competing we weren't going and trying to sell uh something like an USm290 to people who wanted it in the usm290 we were trying to solve other problems that usm290s didn't solve uh, we didn't really enter that market till probably 2020 uh which was horrible timing but uh <laughs> uh and, and even still we weren't probably really ready to until last year uh honestly uh machine that open out cells right now is fantastic uh but uh, it wasn't it took a while
0: to get there uh, and as a I mean you probably talked to hundreds of users slash customers of metal powder bed fusion mm-hmm. technology um what are the what are things people, are looking for like that like what are the some of the gaps in the market that i think the industry has, has still needs to improve on i mean we've seen over the last i mean certainly three years bigger and bigger machines um i would still argue openness other than open additive is still a question for a lot of companies and just mm-hmm. like how that all mixes but like I, I mean you've had all these conversations like what are some a couple of takeaways that you see in terms of the where the market is today of of what they're looking for
1: well, I think um, it's interesting. I think the OEMs knew or knew and know a lot uh, that the industry didn't know, and is starting to catch on to. <laughs> so, uh, but um, so there's there's little things like like you know how you do the gas flow setup or how you do your thermal management to make sure your optics aren't shifting or your parts not shifting. Uh, that have always been problems for a lot of different OEMs, right? And you you hear about that. Some OEMs, I'm not going to name names, but like some OEMs have horrible gas flow reputations. Some don't. Even the ones that don't typically have problem areas. So, like, how to do that right? How to bring the air straight across, and not cause eddies and stuff that 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 result in a uh, you know problems and parts if you build them in that area. Uh, I feel like. Uh, I feel like the industry, I, mean, I don't know if it's because it's like a cost of entry thing, but I feel like industry is quite a bit ahead of academia uh, on those areas. Whereas in some other fields, it's completely the opposite. Like I think in additive, if that's true. Um, so there's there's probably people are starting to learn that are just engineering challenges. like. So I, I said, that I think the current uh, open added machine is really excellent. One of the reasons it's really excellent is because we know all that stuff and we redesigned the whole machine from the ground up in 2022. Uh and say, okay, let's design the gas flow so the air comes straight in, it has no side forces, and it's not going to like curl off and go one direction. It's going to come straight across. <laughs> and we're going to put flow conditioners in the path that we can change in case it's wrong. We can, you know, we can adjust it and make it just right. Um so there's little engineering things like and also like how to do your thermal management, how to make sure your your temperature in the process chamber is consistent all the time. Uh those are not something everybody's always thought about. So I've I've got uh, a couple of machines I own that aren't open ended machines. Uh, and they were in last summer, they were in a building. I'm not gonna say brands because I don't want to do that to people, but they were in a building uh that was like 90 degrees in the summertime. And it's probably probably shouldn't be printing parts in a building like that, right? But like the, the AC was broken. The AC is fixed now. But uh, one machine had really good thermal management, and the other didn't. And so during the daytime, one machine would experience a lot of thermal shifts and the other wouldn't. So we print tensile bars. And when one machine they were wavy, and the other machine they were nice and straight. So there's a lot of so a lot of it's just little engineering stuff that that not everybody's always done. Um, but then there's uh, uh, sensing has always been a challenge. I feel like in situ sensing, most of the market has been just copycat, you know some point someone decided to put a photodiode in the laser beam line and then everybody else did it and then nobody knows if it's useful why it's useful or if they should do it but they still offer it uh that might be harsh i don't know but i think that's generally true (laughs) so uh you can see a few new things coming out now but but typically not very many that that's always been a big complaint so most of my initial contracts were figuring out What kind of institute sensing you can and should do and then how to do it right how to actually commercialize it and implement it
0: and so you've hinted at uh you're no longer with open additive and you want to talk about kind of your the jump you made a few weeks ago over to osu
1: sure yeah so i'm a director of additive at uh, center for design manufacturing excellence at ohio state I got uh heavily recruited by Ed Herderick. <laughs> so he's a great guy and, and very persuasive. And uh uh it's it's just the time felt right um to to start something new. Open is kind of in a place where it can run on its own. Uh there's still some great people there. So I don't know if you know Tom Spears, but he's a super smart uh, uh guy who who can run their you know all their sensor research and, and that development. And um, Ed was going to leave Ohio State, you know, uh, came and found me and asked me to please uh, help him out <laughs> by by making him comfortable leaving. Uh, and the, the opportunity to get back into doing, like, advanced technology development, because I've, I've done a lot of other things. There's stuff open-out that people don't know about, uh, you know, like some of our hybrid manufacturing work we're doing and some of our multi-material manufacturing that we're doing. So those are other, like, not specific problem areas that the industry was asking for, but they said, we have a problem, can you develop something to fix it? And those were some of the things we did to to, to address different challenges. But uh, the last couple of years of Open was very much like developing a, you know, industrial ready top of the line with your powder diffusion machine. And so, I, uh, I the the opportunity to come here was an opportunity to get back into doing advanced technology development, which is I think what I really enjoy. Right? That's why so I went to school and got a PhD. Uh, at the end of the day, and it's and it's um, that's what I want to do. I think be able to put puzzle pieces together and solve problems with new technology is is the thing I enjoy most about my job. And and then you combine that with being at a place like Ohio State, you get to impact and teach the new the next generation. You know, and that's a lot of fun too.
0: For those of you who, are who may not be aware of the the CDME, um, do you want to give them like a, uh, a a brief overview? We had Ed um, and Ben and Jacob on, but um, if the, mm-hmm. for people who may be new to it, um, you want to just give kind of a quick overview of what you guys do in terms of facilities and how many students you reach every year. That's yeah, yeah.
1: So CDME is is amazing. It's 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 a, it's a giant. Uh, Manufacturing mostly metal, not not exclusively, but mostly metal. uh, Manufacturing uh, research institute uh, where there's there's two poles, right? There's there's two pillars. There's uh, product development or technology development. Uh, Tends to be more on the applied side. So we're not doing like you know the next diode laser development. We're doing more like how do you use the next diode laser. there's product development, uh, which we'll work with uh through grants or companies or little side projects, you know, work with any number of people. And there's and there's workforce development, there's the students. Uh really in, in you know, focus on impacting those two areas. So the facility itself, uh, I don't remember the square footage, but it's it's large. It's actually an old solid factory from the 1940s, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh it's got the old U-shaped like process flow or stuff come in one side and go out the other. Um it never actually built a subway either. It's a different story, but uh it's but it's a big it's a big uh, industrial facility and we've got everything in it from uh you know uh the largest academic uh uh not forge uh, foundry uh in, in the United States uh we've so we've got we've got that we've got CNC we've got Uh, welding research area we've got uh automated intelligence in manufacturing like lab it's got eight robots in it we've got uh vacuum furnaces and heat treatment so we've got all the all the in in, you know forging too we've got all the main typical manufacturing things you would think about and we've got the additive lab and we've got injection molding Uh, and we've got i think the the most additive machines Metal added machines if there any university in the world. I'm not 100 percent sure that's true, but I believe that's true uh, from what I've been told. Um, and so, so when you when you want to do a research project, we really if it's manufacturing, we've got testing facilities too. We've got, you know, fatigue, tensile, high temperature, uh you know, hardness testing, all the standard things you would think about. Uh so, but yeah, when you're solving a problem, we're able to. to to solve the whole problem. We're not just an additive lab, you know? So when we finish a print, we don't have to send it off somewhere to get some other operations done. We can actually do all the research here in house and train students to do it. So we're right now we're in, we have about 150 undergraduate student employees, uh, about 40 staff members. uh, And then the directors on top of that. And what typically happens is a customer comes in, has some problem to solve uh, and You know, pays us to to solve that problem. And what we'll do is we'll go out and find students when they're freshmen or sophomores and pay them to solve this problem and work on this project. Uh, And and if the project is big enough, sometimes for several years, right? So by the time we've actually helped a customer solve a problem or develop a new technology, uh, now they or their customers have really well-trained employees that can hire fresh out of school to work on it it's a really really neat business model it's really smart uh, and it's positively impacting a lot of different students
0: fantastic and as you've made the shift from industry to kind of academia i mean it's kind of a hybrid here um what are you most excited about what are what are some of the things that are on your radar in the next six months that you're kind of excited to dig your teeth into well,
1: there's, there's multiple things. So open was very focused on laser powder diffusion technology. So one very simple answer is, is just getting to use other stuff. You know, we've got a, a Trump, uh true, uh, so I forget the, how they, their name and convention things, true Cell 3000 or something like that, or true laser 3000 Trump Cell, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a one powder DED machine. And I, I actually never used one of those before. So just getting to use one is is kind of fun. Um, so we've got a lot of different technology I'm gonna be able to dig my hands in. I'm now in charge of. We've got a concrete 3D printer, which has made a lot of uh press or well, you know, at least recently. Um so getting the experience of new technology is one part. Uh I think the the ability to focus more on uh the underlying technology is something I'm, I'm very excited about. So um, uh, you know, can I help? What one of the things I've been thinking about. So, CDME has traditionally gone out and and gotten machines from OEMs and helped validate processes for customers. So, this machine, so so those OEMs could sell their machines, right? That's that's one part that's going to be fun is getting to work with those OEMs and do that for them. Another thing that I I want to try to bring here that wasn't quite as much a part of it is can I actually help the vendors for the OEMs demonstrate their stuff? So, like that's a bit of a different, it's like a level down, but. Uh, we have an open additive machine here. It turns out CDME, like they bought one for me before I quit. So <laughs> it was like a year and a half before I quit. So that was not in the cards at the time, but um, like that machine is really easy to swap components in and out of, and I know how to do it because I, I built them. So like, Hey, if there's a new scan head on the market, that's supposed to be better than everybody else's. I could help that, that vendor demonstrate that and prove it and write a white paper, write a press release, you know? Uh, so I think, that that kind of work has me excited. The other thing is is um, I think with with the with the way phone technology is evolving, uh, the frequencies of the cell signal itself are constantly increasing. Right, so now we're on five G, which is like millimeter wave. And by millimeter wave, like a lot of millimeters, but uh, you know, there's there's higher frequency systems on the horizon. That's why I did my PhD in. So, so in this weird way, everything is coming full circle. Where now I'm in the additive and some of the new additive application space is going to be what I did my PhD in. So how can we apply it to that and take advantage of that? It's, it's something I'm excited about. That's
0: awesome. And so will you also be, is part of your job teaching or are you doing like, what is your kind of day-to-day looking like in the, in the coming months? Uh, no teaching. Um, I would probably
1: consider teaching if they asked me to, but we're actually like a separate business unit. Uh, I don't know if that's the technical term they would use, but it might as well be. Um so we're a nonprofit, we're a different, you know, profit and loss center. Uh we, we have to win our own funding. So we're very much motivated to bring in work. Uh, we can't just rely on on the you know tuition money to pay us because that's not how it works. So um I'm very much running what that looks like. What kind of work are we bringing in? Who are we talking to? What are we going after? And then once we get it, I'm managing the, uh, the staff employees who manage the students.
0: Awesome. And so uh, kind of just to wrap it up, uh, more of a fun question. Um, as you reflect on your career or even kind of personal life, um, what's a book that has impacted you in a positive way that you'd like to share with the, with the rest of the, the listenership?
1: A book that's impacted me in a positive way read a lot of books recently uh, uh, <laughs> most of them though are not very engineering focused uh, <laughs> that's okay
0: any and it doesn't doesn't matter I mean any yeah. any direction you want to take it um hmm
1: gosh that's a really good question I've, I've read so many books the book that um honestly the books impacted me the most is is uh thomas aquinas's shorter summa which is like you know obviously a catholic religious book but that's the answer
0: awesome cool well thank you so much for for joining um it's been an enlightening conversation and we're excited to see kind of where the cdme goes kind of all the work that you guys are doing very possibly. we've worked with um the the team there quite a bit and so i highly recommend the facilities, the people are amazing and all the work that you guys do and continue to do to, to educate the next generation of workforce. So thank you so much for for joining today and, and we'll see you around the industry.
1: All right, thanks Mike.